Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. God didn't speak to his people for 400 years. He was silent, nothing. It started around 430 BC when God's final words came from Malachi, which displayed both his kindness and his severity. Judgment is coming. But for those who believe, it says, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. That's pretty much it. 400 years, silence. So then what happened? Though the Jewish people had rebuilt the temple and restored the law, all was not well. They had wandered from God. His ways were far from their hearts and centuries of hardships were upon them. First, they fell to the Greeks and then to the Egyptians and then to the Syrians who persecuted them greatly. The temple was desecrated. Tens of thousands of God's people were slaughtered. All the while, silence. Where's God? On one hand, I would think that those years would drive God's people to study scripture, to seek God, to cling to his promises. Instead, God's people became deaf and blind, unable to fathom what was coming. I wonder if they yearned for the days when God wasn't silent, when he spoke through prophets, angels, dreams, and burning bushes. I wonder if they looked up to the sky and pleaded, God, deliver us. We'll respond the right way this time. Can't you see that we need you? Silence. Generations came and went. Hope for many was lost, but it was about to return in a most unexpected way. God was writing a new law while simultaneously fulfilling the old. Its ink would drip with love. Its pages would be filled with hope. You see, God had always been at work. The silence, which had been deafening for so long, was about to end with the sound of a heartbeat. How would you describe the entire message of Christmas in just one word? 
Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Adrian. If I don't know you or I, I don't look familiar to you, it's because uh, I'm, I'm new. I'm new today. If you're new, uh, we're in good company, but um, I, I'm not exactly new, but I don't get to show up here quite as often as I'd want to be. Um, I, I, I'm the lead pastor of our church, which means um, in a multi-campus church, I, I get to hang out in, in Harrisonburg at our campus there most often. But every now and then I convince Jared to let me come. He tries to have all the excuses. No, no, but I, I just convinced him to let me come and share. So if you are new or visiting, please come back next week. Um, Jared's much better looking and a better preacher too. So you'll want to come back. But I get to just come today and it's a joy to be with you. I love getting to be a part of a church that's so much bigger than me. It's so much bigger than just what's happening in Harrisonburg or even what's happening here as the Lord's leading us in the coming year to plant a new Spanish-speaking campus in Waynesboro. So thanks for being here today. And I want to talk about Christmas, but I want to talk about it in one word. I wonder what word you would use to describe it. I think Christmas can be a lot, right? I mean, it can be a lot of good things. Come on, traditions and gifts and food. And yet some of, I can't talk about food this late in service. Some of you are going to start worrying about lunch. But it can be a lot of good things, right? But then Christmas can also be a lot. I mean, it can just be a lot. Like travel and hosting and, and debt. I don't know. Buying stuff you can't afford and, and stress. In-laws, right? Oh, it could just be a lot. In fact, here, here's what I think. I think there's two, two extremes represented here and a bunch of us in the middle. On one extreme over here is the person that just can't get enough Christmas. I mean, they put the tree up Labor Day weekend. They have every tradition. I mean, they're squeezing every drop they can out of Christmas. They're like Buddy the Elf, right? That's this extreme. Don't look at your neighbor if you think that's them. Then over here... On the other end is those that just want to survive Christmas. Maybe it feels heavy. Listen, maybe seriously it's hard. Maybe Christmas for you has never been joyful, has never felt like hope. Maybe Christmas for you this year represents grief or loss because there's somebody that's not with you. Somebody's not present at your your time of celebrating this. And so for you, your goal is just, can we just get through? Can we just survive? And no matter what extreme you might find yourself or many of us that might find ourselves in the middle, I think the most important job that we have as a church family this Christmas is to help define what is Christmas really about? What is the main thing? And let's keep the main thing the main thing. And so I want to define Christmas to you in one word. If I was going to do that today, I would use the word presence. Presence. That Christmas The most amazing, life-changing story in history is really about presence. And I'm not talking about the other kind of presence that we like to give and we like to get sometimes. You know, nothing wrong with that. I'm going to give some gifts this Christmas. I might get a couple gifts too, right? But that's good. I love that. But that's not really what we're talking about today. We're talking about the other kind of presence. Christmas really, in a word, is about presence presence. And that's why our series throughout this month of December, throughout Advent, is called God With Us. Because that's what Christmas is about. The presence of God coming to live here with us, to be here with us. And as we jump into the story, think back to last week's message. If you weren't here throughout the month of November, we talked about the minor prophets. And we really finished last week at the end of the Old Testament. In the book of Malachi, where, where, as we heard in the video, God, God, after Malachi, God doesn't speak for 400 years. It's silence. 
And so it's easy today as we jump into the gospel of Matthew, where we often find ourselves this Christmas season, it's easy to just kind of take for granted what's happening. But remember, what, what this is happening in the wake of 400 years of silence and waiting. And now... God with us. So join me. I'm going to be in Matthew 1, starting in verse 18. It'll be on the screen behind me. Or if you're a Bible app user or version Bible app, uh, it's not ours, but we take advantage of it each and every week. We have an event set up there. And so if you want to follow along there, there's extra notes, some, some scriptures you can look up during the week and follow along. But we're going to be reading in Matthew 1, verse 18. If you're familiar with the story, you're going to be familiar with these words. But let's consider these words today in light of presence, God with us. This is what it says. Uh, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home to be your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. Think about what's happening here. Think about, if, again, if you were to look through the Old Testament, the hundreds of times this moment is promised. This moment is prophesied. The generations and generations that had hoped and waited and never got to experience the fulfillment of this. And now in this moment, it's becoming a reality. God with us. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came to save, to save his people from their sins, to save you and me. God with us, he came to save us. And Matthew specifically wants us to know what kind of savior this is gonna be. So that's why he's gonna point us to one of those prophecies from 700 years before. Look, this is just the last two verses, verse 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And of course, he's quoting Isaiah here when it says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You can't even say his name, Jesus, without acknowledging presence. God with us. Us. This is the fulfillment of the promise. It's easy for us to take this for granted because we live on the other side of Christmas. We, we don't know what 400 years of silence felt like. In fact, we get to live on the other side of Christmas and the cross and the resurrection. So it might be easy for us to take presents for granted. But, but make no mistake, the people, the people in this story that we're going to read over the coming weeks, they understood what it was to wait, to hope, to trust I love how John's gospel says it. John chapter 1 says this, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Presence. Uh, the message paraphrase says it this way, uh, The Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. I love that because that word in the Greek literally means that the presence of God came to tabernacle with us. Now, that's kind of a weird terminology, right? Except when you consider in the Old Testament, the tabernacle is where you had to go to find God's presence. You, you went there and you worshiped and you did, according to the law, what was expected in order to, to meet with, experience the presence of God. 
In fact, very few people could actually stand in the presence of God. But now, as Jesus comes, God with us, now we're told through John's gospel that his presence has come to tabernacle in us. We become the tabernacles of his presence. This is good news. And this good news changes everything. See, it's so important to us that over these next couple weeks, here at this campus and across all our campuses, we're going to be talking about why God with us changes everything. Why it changes how we wait. That he's with us as we wait, waiting for answers, waiting for the fulfillment of his promise. That he is with us in the midst of uncertainty. Maybe you're experiencing doubts or fear, anxiety. He's with you. He's with us in the midst of obscurity, in the moments of our life, in the seasons of our life that may seem insignificant. He's with us always, today and for eternity. He is God with us, and it changes everything. Look, we we don't always grasp what it means, and sometimes we fumble around Christmas, but it just comes down to that one word, presence. Take a look at this. Unfreeze. Good job, everybody. Let's take a few minutes. Good job. It is like a thousand degrees out here. No thanks to global warming. Again, global warming and hot flashes, two totally different things. I'm starving. Can we please take a snack break already? You ate a whole bag of cheese puffs 15 minutes ago, Jim. And? Marty, we've been at this day and night for a week. We're exhausted. Besides, it's not really a live nativity. We have stuffed animals. Look, everyone, we make do with what we've got. This is our last performance of the nativity, and we have been entrusted with this esteemed honor. Esteemed honor of carrying out a 103-year-old tradition by the oldest church in Corncatcher County. We got you. Yeah, we got your little pep talk about 10 pep talks ago. Amen to that. Can anybody okay, even no, see no, me no, back no, here? No, get you down. I just want to see. Okay, okay. Good shoot. Oh, I've got hay fever, Marty. Do you know what irritates hay fever, Marty? Hey. Sorry about that, Bob. I tried to find hypoallergenic hay, but the men at the feed store just laughed at me. Why am I in the bag? Did I mention I was a stand-in on an episode of Touched by an Angel? Highway to Heaven trumps Touched by an Angel every time, sister. Apparently, you've never seen an episode of Charlie's Angels. It's not the same thing, Bob. I'm smelling an undertone of a hazelnut. Uh, no, wait. Yo, yep, definitely hazelnut. I think it's plastic. Look, Marty. None of us signed up for this. You signed up for this. Literally, you all signed up for this. My wife signed me up for this. I'm out. I signed up to play Mary. And nobody would believe that. Whatever happened to making do with what you've got, Marty? Let's go, guys. These Applebee's coupons don't use themselves. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back, No, 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 no. I want my baby back. It's not the same restaurant. 
was buy one, get one. Okay, you listen, out of line. No, 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 So tiny and peaceful and perfect. A lot like baby Jesus. He deserved so much more. But this was God's plan. God gave him a mommy to take care of him. He chose shepherds to tell everyone. Wise men came and visited him. God even gave him an earthly daddy. A lot of imperfect people. But God always makes do with what he's got. And that perfect little baby grew up and saved us all. He showed us what real love looks like. A love that cost him everything. I just adore him. show us what true love looks like. That's presence. That's presence. But that presence didn't come until 400 years of waiting. In fact, as we examine the story a little bit further today, we see the Christmas story is filled with waiting. With waiting. In fact, we think about how many years people waited and surely some gave up. Some stopped waiting for the fulfillment of the promise. They just believed it wasn't coming. But as we examine the first Christmas, those that we're going to look in in detail over the coming weeks, we see that they hadn't forgotten. Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, the the people that were present for for Jesus' first years, they hadn't let those 400 years cloud their memory. Consider the Magi and Simeon and Anna and so many others, so many snapshots, so many stories of people who waited, who waited. I think one of the most powerful examples that we're going to look at today is a person that you may not consider part of the Christmas story, but, but he's there. He's there. In fact, he was around hundreds and hundreds of years before the manger ever happened in Bethlehem, uh, and his name is Abraham. Abraham's not somebody that we talk about much during Advent. In fact, his story is way before the Gospel of Matthew back in Genesis, but I want to talk about Abraham today because He's probably one of the most powerful examples of what it meant to wait. Listen, the promise that Abraham had, what was this? The promise was that through you, Abraham, God said, I'm going to bless all the nations of the world through you, through your heritage. Problem was he didn't have a son. He was old. And his wife, Sarah, was very old. And yet, he's a powerful example of patience and and perseverance. So we're, bear with me for a minute. We're going to be in Romans 4 because the Apostle Paul is going to point to Abraham and, and his obedience and his faithfulness even in waiting. And I'm, you're going to see how this ties perfectly to our Advent story. Look at Romans 4 for just a minute. Just, just four or five verses here. But look at verse 18. 
It says this, don't miss this, even when there was no reason for hope. Think about that. There's no rationale for hope. There's no reason, there's no justification for hope. And yet Abraham kept hoping. He, he was believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said, that's how many descendants you'll have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. Even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead and so was Sarah's womb. But Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. I'm going to read that again. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. Did you catch that? What it said? He was fully convinced. Abraham was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. So Abraham trusted. He obeyed even in the waiting I'm going to be honest with you today. I don't like to wait. If you are, there might be one or two in the room and we'll all just kind of grumble and look at you like, who are you? No, none of us really like to wait that much, right? And, and for me, I'd like to say I'm a patient person, but really I realize what it is. I like to have a plan. When I get up in the morning, I like to have a plan and I can be flexible. I can adapt, but anytime I have to wait, that's messing up my plan. So I don't like to wait. And I was thinking about the, the world in which we're, what we're living in today. Our world operates so much faster, right? I mean, think about it. We have access to information at our fingertips in a moment's notice. If you have to wait for the page to load, you're a little bit annoyed, right? Right? Because that, that's, that's how fast information moves. That's how fast we have access to information. We can get our groceries delivered to our door. Or at, at worst case, they can at least bring it out and put it in the trunk for us, right? Hey, if you need something, don't order Amazon. Order Amazon Prime. It'll be there in two days, and if not, you're going to grumble and complain about it, right? This is how fast our world moves. Technology is changing rapidly, and in many ways, we get to be more efficient with our time, right? We we waste less time in line. Uh, Lauren and I, my wife and I, we have four kids, and we were laughing yesterday saying, it wasn't that long ago when we actually had to go to the store to shop for Christmas, and we don't have to do that anymore, right? We don't have to waste time in line, And isn't it interesting, in in 2023, some of us, we can work from home. We can log on to the computer. We don't have to drive to work. We don't have to waste time doing that. You don't have to get dressed from the waist up. I joke with my wife. She does that some from home, right? She does get dressed fully. But uh, you don't have to waste time with that stuff, right? You can be efficient with your time. And yet, we've never been more efficient than ever, but yet we're more and more impatient. It's not just me. Next time you're anywhere where people are forced to wait, just pay attention. Watch people. I've seen some grown-ups have some glorified temper tantrums in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru. I'm just going to tell you, because we don't like to wait. We're not used to it. And, and more and more in life, we, we don't, there's, there's less and less times where we have to. So the moments when we have to wait, we don't like it at all. It's interesting, though, that according to God, according to his word, how we wait matters. Think about that. How we wait matters. In fact, in God's economy, in the waiting, that's, that's where the power is. Look at, look at the Advent story. Look, look at Mary. We're going to study her in more detail in the weeks to come, but her faithfulness in the waiting is the reason God was able to use her and bless her life. And that's why we see Abraham's story, his name attached 
to Christmas, you would say, what in the world are you talking about? Well, all right, Matthew chapter 1. We skipped over this part in Matthew that we do because very rarely during Christmas do we read something that's called the genealogy of Jesus. If you look at Matthew, Matthew's gospel begins with the genealogy of Jesus. And the reason we don't do it is there's a lot of names there. I'll pronounce half of them wrong and you'd be asleep by the time I get through, right? It's just names. You say, why in the world is that there? Well, consider for a minute verse 1 of Matthew. Again, this is how Matthew begins to tell the Christmas story. And what does it say at the very beginning of Matthew chapter 1? I have it on the screen. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham, in the first verse of Matthew chapter 1, gets a shout out from, from all those years later. The guy that waited and trusted, and obeyed, and that through him. In fact, look down at verse 17 of Matthew chapter 1. It outlines after all of these names, this genealogy, like what's the big deal? Well, this is the big deal. There were 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile. We talked about that during our series last month. 14 from the exile to the Messiah. So Matthew wants us to know, it's not just like this lineage of, he wants us to see Abraham's place in this story that we're about to read, God with us. 400 years of waiting wasn't 400 years of inaction on God's part. In fact, I think one of the biggest mistakes we make in our waiting is to believe that when God is silent, it means that God is absent. There are some of you in the room today that right now in your life, it feels like God is silent. You're praying, you're talking to him, maybe you're reading the word and you're just not hearing anything. And you feel like maybe something's wrong with you or you, worse yet, you think, God, you're, you're just, you're absent. You've gone off and left me. <laughs> you're on vacation. And one of the biggest mistakes we can make in our season of waiting is to believe that somehow God's silence equals God's absence. In the people we see in God's word and the people that we see that waited for generations and generations somehow understood that even in silence, it doesn't mean that God is absent. In fact, God was always preparing. His plan for redemption was just as active the day before Jesus came as it was when Jeremiah and Isaiah first prophesied it or when Abraham trusted the Lord and believed the promise. So I want to close today with two questions, and I think everything that we've talked about today kind of points us to these two questions. The first question is this. What are you waiting for? Some smart aleck in the first service said lunch, and so I was like, okay, let's go deeper than that. Thanks for that. It's true. What are you waiting for, really, though, in your life today? What are you, what are you waiting for? We may not find ourselves awaiting the arrival of the Messiah today, but each of us in our lives are waiting on something. Listen, some of us today, we're waiting for an answer. There's a prayer that we've been praying, something we've been seeking the Lord for, for guidance and wisdom, and we just don't know. We don't know. And that's a really uncomfortable place to be in that kind of in, not knowing. And we're just waiting. And one of the greatest temptations in that waiting is to believe that God's somehow absent but really, we're just in a season of waiting. Some of you, maybe you're waiting on healing for you, for someone you love. You're in a season, they're in a season where they're under physical distress, sickness, a diagnosis that seems bleak, and you're trusting and praying, and you're just waiting. Lord, what are you going to do here? Maybe you're waiting on provision. 
There's a big need that you have. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's something else, a job, something. And you're, you're waiting. You're just in this place of waiting. And for some of us, it's a miserable place to be. What are you waiting for today? Remember the mistake that we make to believe God isn't working, to believe that God is somehow absent in our waiting. But whatever you're waiting on today, I'm not minimizing that. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. It's heavy on your heart and mine today, and so it matters to the Lord. But what I am saying is that he's with you in your waiting. That's what this series is all about, the presence, presence of God. He's present with you in your waiting. Some of us, though, today we find ourselves in between that place of God, God's promise, God, God asking you to step out, asking you to obey him. And over here is some, somewhere is the fulfillment of that, and we're somewhere in the middle. That's kind of what waiting looks like, isn't it? We're somewhere between God's promise and God's fulfillment. And so today, what are you waiting for? I, I, I would challenge you today to identify that, articulate that, name that thing. It's there. You're feeling it. You're, it's heavy on your heart. But today, have the courage to just name and recognize that thing that you're waiting on today. Because the second question is even more important is how are you waiting? Because as we've discovered today, how you wait matters to God. How you wait matters to him. And that's one of our biggest struggles, isn't it? Waiting, but doing so with patience. Waiting and believing that God still has a purpose in the waiting. Waiting and trusting that the promises of God are still true, even when they don't feel true. And we can be honest sometimes, right, that in the waiting, those promises don't always feel true, but we can't always trust our feelings either, right? Waiting and being willing to listen, waiting with faith, just like the people that we see in the first Christmas. And there's something else, and it may be the most important thing. It was a, an aha for me, and maybe it will help you today. We're talking about presence, right? God with us. Here's the truth. Some of you today, when, when you're waiting, you feel like you're waiting on God, <laughs> I'm waiting on God to show up. I'm waiting on God to answer. I'm waiting on God to heal. I'm waiting on God. And it feels like that, right? But I want to challenge you today to believe because of Christmas, because of the reality of God with us, you're not waiting on God today. You're waiting with him. He's with you. You don't wait alone. You don't wait shouting out to God, where are you? Show up. He's right there with you. Even in sometimes that, that uncomfortable silence, believe Believe you don't wait on him today, you wait with him. The most faithful people we see at the first advent were the ones who didn't let waiting cloud their hope in today, church family. Don't let waiting cloud the hope, cloud the promise that we have. He is God with us. He is God with us. I want to invite you to do something. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute right where you are? Um, I know we can pray with our eyes open. When I drive down the road, I leave my eyes open when I pray. But sometimes, sometimes we need to remove distraction. I know I do because we live in this busy world, right? So sometimes moments of silence, I get distracted. So I'm just going to invite you, if you would, for a minute, just to close your eyes. We won't wait long, but we're going to wait a minute. Because today, I just I want to invite you to make this message personal to you. Because I don't know your story, and I don't know what it is that you are waiting for today. I just want to invite you to make it personal. I believe that this message is for someone, maybe more than one in the room today, who needed to be reminded in your waiting, you don't wait alone.
So here's what I want to do. I, I just want to spend a minute praying together and praying for you. And I don't need to know, and, and I won't know the specifics today, but I, just, I do want to invite you to make it personal. And so I just sense there's a few of us here today that something about this message has just resonated with you. And you would say today, yeah, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. It's not easy. I'm waiting. It's heavy. I'm waiting. Sometimes it's uncertain. And if that's you today, I just want to invite you. The band is going to come forward. They're going to help us in a minute as we, we spend a few minutes worshiping. But as they come, I want to invite you. If you would say today you're just in a season of waiting, no matter what that is, I want to invite you to just quietly stand to your feet. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to ask you to shout out loud. What you're, that's between you and the Lord. But I do want to pray for you today. And I just sense there's a few of us today that this is real, maybe a little bit heavy and a little bit weary. And today I just want to pray for you because I don't want you to wait alone. I want you to know today the message of Christmas is that God is with us and he waits with you. He walks with you. And so I want to pray for you. So if that's you today, you just want to quietly stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. God, I, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room. I know I don't know them all, but we are, we are part of your family. We're family today because you're our father. And one thing that we all share in common in this room today is that you love us and you've redeemed us and you have saved us through your son. You're God with us. In fact, the message today is true. Jesus came to be with us so that for eternity we would never have to be apart from you. So Lord, today, some of us in this room are waiting and it might feel heavy and it might feel lonely today, I, I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit, they would know they don't wait alone, that they would trust that you are with them, that they would not believe for a second that your silence equals your absence. They would know that for whatever reason, this season of waiting that they're in, you, you're entrusting them with this season of waiting. I pray through the power of your Spirit that you would be at work right now in places that they can't see, places they can't comprehend, that you're working in them to strengthen them, to increase their faith, to give them wisdom, that you would guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. That, yes, Lord, that though, though you've given us feelings, we don't always have to operate by our feelings, but sometimes it doesn't feel like you're there. I pray today, Lord, that you would move in their circumstances, that you would move. Lord, we don't always understand what happens as we pray, but we believe you are working as we pray. And so as we pray for these, our brothers and sisters today, we believe that you're on the move. You be we believe that you're, you're at work. And we, we believe, Lord, that your promise will be fulfilled according to your will. In Christ Jesus, thank you that you're God with us and that none of us today wait alone. We wait with you. We stand with you. We walk with you. Thank you, Jesus. What a promise. It changes everything. It changes everything. Church family, would you stand? Would you stand to your feet now? Lord, as we worship you, you're worthy of our worship. You're worthy of all this season, Lord, of, of, that we would, we would focus on 
what's most important, and that is your presence, your presence coming to be with us. It changes us. It's our hope, and not just for us, but for our neighbors and our friends and our family. May your presence radically transform us this season. We love you, Jesus. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.